Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. I want to I want to pray one more time um, before I get into the word. I just I I'm just feeling my spirit just needing to <laughs> just not just be hasty right now. Yeah, Holy Holy Spirit, I I pray in Jesus' name that you will that you will touch us, Lord, right now. I ask you to open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, our spirits, our understanding, and reveal the goodness of God to us. Hmm. And I pray, Lord God, that you'll, you'll let any, if anybody has any bondage or baggage or weights or chains in their lives, God, let, let that be broken today. In the name of Jesus. Be broken today. In the name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that everybody in my hearing is going to hear with their spirits and hear with faith and be drawn into encounter with you through the words and not just hearing words today in Jesus' name. If anybody agrees with that, maybe give God an amen on that. Amen. All right. All right. Here we go. I'm going to dive into my message today. The, the title of this sermon is Freedom in the Light. Freedom in the Light. And if you have your Bibles, I'd love to ask you to open them to 1 John chapter 1. And we're going to read a few verses out of that. I want to explain a few things in it. 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to go to, we're going to start at verse 5. Sometimes it's hard for me to read out of my Bible because it's got words and markings and highlights and everything else in there. Probably should get myself a preaching Bible. <laughs> All right. 1 John 1, 5. Here we go. This is the message which we have heard from him. Who do you guys think him is? That's great. Jesus. And, and declare to you that God is light. Everybody say, God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Everybody say, no darkness. darkness. Come on. (laughs) I'm going to stop there just for a second because I I was remembering a a sermon by a guy named Jesse Duplantis. How many of you guys know who Jesse Duplantis is? A long time ago, he had a crazy, crazy encounter where God... It, he, he wasn't sure, just like Paul wasn't sure if it happened in the flesh or his spirit being removed from his body. But he had, a, he had an encounter in heaven, like literally, like he saw it all, he felt it all, he smelled it all, he heard it all. He was there, like full on. And I, God, I feel your presence. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Wackus today. Wackus. Anyway, he, he, one, of the, one of the details that he described that he noticed while he was in heaven, was there's not a sun because you don't need a sun because God is light, all right? And 
He also noticed that there's no shadows anywhere. There's no shadows. He even said there's no shadows even behind the blades of grass on the ground. That's pretty wild. Why would there not be any shadows? He said it's because God is omnipresent. He's everywhere and he's light. So there's no, because shade comes from light being cast on somebody or something that blocks the, the light from hitting the ground behind it, right? And so how would there be a shadow if, if light happens to be in all places? There's no shadows. So he, he said in heaven, no shadows. That's pretty wild. That's pretty wild. You can't like just go, you, you won't stub your toe in the dark in your house. That's, that's pretty good. All right, happens to me sometimes. But so, so this says that, uh, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Okay, that's amazing. Verse six, if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. Okay. Now, where, if you think about God being light and there's no darkness in him, then where could darkness be? Anywhere that's outside of him. All right? So, if we participate in darkness, you, you would be lying if you're doing that, saying that you're fellowshipping with God, because you, the only way you can do that is to be out there instead of in here. Got it? So, you're either in the light or you're not in the light. You're either in the light or you're, fellow, or you're, in, or you're in darkness, all right? That's, that's how this is talking about. If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So basically, if somebody continues in a sin and, and they're saying, and, but they've justified it and they say, I'm good with Jesus. Nope, you're lying. You're actually lying. Because you can't do that and have fellowship with Jesus at the same time. Because then you're participating in darkness and you're saying that you're, that you're in the light with him too. And so you, you, can't, you don't get to look in the face of Jesus and be sinning at the same time. Amen, Jesse. Amen, Jesse. All right? Verse 7. But, see, that's the bad news, all right? The, that if you, if, you, if you have fellowship, you can't say you have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness or you're lying, right? So that's the bad news. But the good news, because we don't stay in the bad news, right? We don't, we don't want to focus on the problems. We want to focus on the solutions. Amen? So verse 7 is a solution verse. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, and guess what? Everywhere he goes, he's in the light. Everything he's doing is in the light. He is light, right? So if you're, if you're in him and you're walking in the light as he's in the life, it, sa it says we have fellowship with one another. Fellowship with one another. So I, if I'm in the light of Christ where there's no darkness and you're in the light of Christ where there's no darkness, then in his light we're in the same place, fully transparent, Fully not hiding anything, fully free. I'm in him, you're in him, we can fellowship together in Christ. Come on, it's good news. That word fellowship is koinonia, and it's talking about spirit-to-spirit -spirit relationship, all right? Okay? 
I'm going to read that again. If we, have, if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another, okay? Because you're in the light, I'm in the light, we're both in the light together, we can fellowship. That's what God calls fellowship. Some people might call fellowship hanging out and doing whatever, but he's calling fellowship being in the light together. All right? Okay. That's God's version of fellowship. So when we're in the light, that's one benefit is we have fellowship with one another. But check this next benefit out of being in the light. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from a few of our sins. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us of all sins. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us of all sins. Does it say that he forgives us and just pretends like it's not there anymore? Does it say that he loves us unconditionally and he lets us stay as we were as long as we stay in his light? No, it actually says the blood of Jesus cleanses us of sins, of all sins. Cleanses us of all sins. Wow. So if I, if I had sin and I come into his light and his blood comes and it cleanses me, does that mean that, that he forgave me but I still have that sinful nature? Oh. So cleansing literally means full removal. Full removal. Spotless. Doesn't exist anymore. It's all washed away. It's removed. It's not there anymore. He took away sin. There's no trace of it left anymore. Hallelujah. That's good news. Okay? So in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And that's where his blood, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us. It purifies us. It removes the whole thing. It makes it as if it was never there in the first place. Rinsed you utterly clean. Cleaner than my grandma made me clean the backs of my ears when I was a kid. <clears throat> Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from some of our unrighteousness. Cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. Verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. What a strange dichotomy of verses that it's like it flip-flops. It, it sounds almost like he's saying you're clean, but if you say you don't have sin, you're lying. But yet you're clean, but you, you better not lie that you had sin. It almost sounds like this weird like flip-flopping thing. And in this passage, if people read it just like that, it fits perfectly with that Romans 7 passage that I was preaching to you guys a few weeks ago, where Paul said, uh, he, he explained that even though I don't want to sin, I sin. I want to do what's right, but I don't do what's right. And people have created belief systems that say that we're going to always be struggling with sin. Okay? <clears throat> The belief that I, I, can, I can get 
I can ask God to forgive me of a sin, but I still am going to always have the presence of the nature of sin in me. A lot of people believe this. I used to be one. Okay? And this passage right here that I just read to you kind of almost sounds flip-floppy. Like It's kind of like, yep, you're fully clean. Oh, but also, don't lie, you you got sin. Okay? Kind of sounds that way until you read it through the lens that God, first of all, God doesn't argue with himself ever, all right? He's not like truth, like this is truth, but this opposing thought is truth too, but I guess it depends on what mode you're in. This is truth. Oh, now it's not truth. Now this is truth. Oh, I'm, I'm a son of God and, and I'm fully free, but, oh, but I still carry sin nature everywhere I go. No. No, God is not confused, okay? He's not confused. He, he's not bipolar. He doesn't have multiple personalities either. He's truth all the way through, and everything that he says is going to be truth. It never, it, it never opposes itself, all right? You guys doing okay this morning? I want to I just kind of break this apart a little bit here because when you look at verse 8, it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. That is a verse that people use often about the, about the concept that I am, I am still a sinner. Thank God I'm saved by grace, okay? Because if you say you have no sin, you're deceiving yourself. Verse 10 also says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. But how does that work with verse 7, that his blood cleanses us from all sins? And, and verse 9, that we confess it, and he's forgiven us, cleanses us of all unrighteousness. How does that work? I'm going to tell you how that works. All right? It is not actually confusion amongst itself. What's going on here is that there's a, there's a, a distinguishing of two conditions. There's the condition of being in his light. And there's a condition of being in darkness. Okay? So, when you're in darkness and you want to act like somebody who's in the light, you're lying. You got sin. Repent. All right? That's what it's saying. But but if you repent and you step out of the darkness into the light and you confess, the blood of Jesus has fully cleansed you of all sins. Therefore, there's no more sin in you. You can't can't, um, perceive yourself being in the light as someone who's still in the darkness. Okay? Am I confusing you guys, or are we good? You sure? All right. I just want to make sure to distinguish these things, that the difference between the two is... It, it, is you, you can't say that you have fellowship with God while you're still approving yourself of sin, right? We, we, can't, we, can't, we can't convince ourselves that this is okay and think that we're all hanging with Jesus tightly, looking in his face. You can't sin while you're looking in his face. Amen? Okay. Well, thanks. I thought it, I think it is. All right. But, but when, when we 
choose Jesus, okay? When we choose Jesus, we're choosing to not participate with darkness, okay? We're, we're choosing to say no to things that are exterior to Jesus Christ, all right? I, I'm my yes to Jesus is my no to anything that he's not involved with. Does that make sense? So you're, when you're in Christ, you have the full, completed, blood-bought redemption of Jesus Christ. Come on. That's awesome. And that is your identity as children of the Most High God. Okay? Sometimes we, we want to dip in and out, and, and so there's kind of this half and half. And the Lord is saying that if we're participating in that, what do you do? Well, get yourself realigned with Christ. All right? Um, So repentance is in verse 7, all right? But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. So we actually need to choose to submit ourselves into the light, and, what, and that actually looks like allowing the light to come into all parts of who I am. And like I said, there's no darkness in God. And if we want to be fully immersed with God, that means that we cannot allow things to remain hidden in us. Because anything that you hide, you're blocking the light from being able to come into, and that's protecting darkness. All right? So what God's asking from us is that we get real with him. That's what he's asking from us. Get real. Be honest. If you got something in there, expose it to the Lord. He already sees it. He already knows it's there. But get honest with him. Open the chest cavity. Let the light shine in. Expose all to the Lord because that is the only place where the blood of Jesus is able to come and do the thorough cleansing work is getting vulnerable Okay, it, it, we, we hide it often because we're ashamed of it. And God is actually saying you, that shame is a guardian of a prison that's trying to keep you locked in to a bondage that he's been waiting for you to open, to trust him by opening the door, let him in, because immediately he brings the cleansing of the blood of Jesus to remove the whole thing. Come on. That's awesome. And it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is actually eager to forgive. He's eager to cleanse. He's eager to set us free from all things that we hold on to. And according to this passage here, we're talking about the light. We're talking about being in the light, there's fellowship with one another, right? That means that we have to actually stop hiding. We have to stop holding ourselves back. We have to stop letting there be darkness and hidden things. We need to get real. We need to become open. We need to be able to trust people 
with our hearts. Oh, man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we have to learn how to trust people with our hearts. That's, the, that's one of the number one things that's holding people back from moving forward in God and their dreams and victory. As people are holding themselves back from other people because they don't want people to see that they got junk in their life. Oh, guess what? That person that you're afraid to show that to, they got junk in their life too. All right? We, let's get real. We all need the cleansing of the blood of Jesus, and we all need to be free, and we all need to let ourselves come fully into the light, nothing hidden. Some people, some, some people are on the outside in, the, in that realm that's external and maybe don't even realize it because they're u- so used to living the outward Christian life. But, but there are people who need to repent for sins, okay? Even if, you, even if you quit doing it and you don't like that you did it, but it's there and you haven't actually dealt with it, you're actually carrying a big lugging weight on your shoulders. There are people who are weighed down through their whole lives and don't even know it because they're so used to how that feels that it just feels normal because they haven't unloaded things to the Lord, brought it into the light. Okay? <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. There, I, I would say the majority of people in this world are, are actually walking with boulders on their back and they don't even know it because they're used to that feeling. Uh, but because they never brought the stuff into the light that God actually died on the cross to heal and free you from. But you, got, you can only get it His way. You can only get it His way. And His way is in the light. And it, and it has to come through the confession. That means you actually acknowledge that it's there. You, you, you acknowledge that thing is there and it, and it has been there and I never, I never dealt with it yet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it into the light and I'm going to acknowledge it because that's where you're open in your heart to the place where the blood can flow and set the captives free. And a lot of times people's fear of what somebody's going to think or, or even fear just to look in the mirror and acknowledge, even if I'm not going to tell anybody else, I don't even want to think about it because it makes me feel gross about myself. That fear people carry for years when Jesus is trying to set the person free and give them a liberated, happy life. Come on. <laughs> Talking some real stuff right now. So there are people who need to repent of sins. But guess what? There's also people who need to repent, even if they don't currently function in sins, repent for breaking fellowship with Jesus. Like you can, you can not be functioning in sin, but still be out there trying to do your own thing and breaking the fellowship with, with the Lord. Okay? But guess what? There's even another thing that there are some people who need to repent of, breaking fellowship with one another. Breaking the fellowship with one another. And I don't just mean like you miss church here and there. Now, this is not a slant towards anybody who's at the race today, all right? <laughs> like, or, or Lauren who, man, you left us for two weeks, man. He was on a cruise. <laughs> he was on a vacation. <laughs> I was just joking. 
No, it's not that. But, but breaking fellowship with one another, it's not just showing up to church. That's important, but, but the, the, there's people who are going to church who's, who are in living in broken fellowship because fellowship means that you're actually engaging your heart with people in the body of Christ and actually knowing one another. Like, like, I want to know you for who you are. I want you to know me who, for who I am. And let's stop hiding. And let's get real. I know you're not perfect. <laughs> you know I'm not perfect. So let's stop acting like it. And let's get real. Let's, let's make ourselves available and open to the Lord and to one another in a way where we can love unconditionally. Because you've got to have problems in order to actually love unconditionally, Right? Right? So we might as well be honest so that unconditional love can show up. Okay? We need to have fellowship with one another. And, and so there's a lot of people who, who maybe they're hanging out in the proximity of people, but they're actually still keeping their, their gates closed. And they, and they got the, the guardian of the jail cell called shame, keeping us from sharing ourselves with one another. We'll never be the, the, the God's, ver, God's vision of the mighty, glorious church as long as we're walking around in a prison shell all the time. Okay? That's a great, soft, easy way for me to start off a sermon, isn't it? <laughs> you guys are all like, and like every single person just sitting there, like, <laughs> I'm like, man, this is a popular message right now. It's awesome. <laughs> I, I have, I've been pastoring full time now since 2014 because I, I pastored at BSSM. And honestly, I actually pastored a few years back in the 90s as youth pastor as well. But uh, since 2014, Full-time pastor, and I want to tell you that uh, at a, uh, Bethel, we try to create this culture of, of loving one another unconditionally, okay? Uh, a culture of honor where we don't judge each other for their failures or how great they can perform, but instead we choose to, dis to see each other and discern each other as mighty women and men of God, children of the Most High God, who have a nature of purity and righteousness and holiness, holiness, that's who you are. And so learning how to love each other past the exterior stuff and to call one another higher, to call one another into who I believe that you actually are, okay? That's what I want right here. That, no, that's what we need desperately to have right here cultivated, all right? So, but, but with that is that, that we choose to, in love, celebrate one another, celebrate, to, uh, that we want to know one another and to be known by one another, to celebrate each other and be celebrated. And, and instead of judging people by their failures, Point them to who they are and how far they've come and where God's taken them. That's pretty powerful. Amen? And so I, 
I, I want you guys to know, like, like I, I actually have had people come into my office and confess things to me that would probably blow your grid of some of the craziest stuff you could ever imagine. And guess what? I didn't care because I saw them for who they were. And I knew that Jesus died and he paid a high price to give them a new creation identity. And so I didn't judge them for the things that they were confessing. I pointed them to Jesus and helped them learn who they are. But through the confession, is with, with me, you know, in, this, in these examples, they're bringing stuff that they carried for years in shame into the light for the first time. The first time they're, they're trusting that somebody's going to actually love them and not shame them for the thing that they've been carrying. And in so doing, they're releasing the stuff and God is coming in powerfully with his mighty blood that, that sets captives free and heals hearts. That's amazing. And I've seen people transformed. That They start believing that they're free and they stop doing the behaviors because they realize that's not who they were. When, when the shame lifts off, they don't, they don't have that ongoing thing that's trying to tell them, this is who you are. This is what you do. When that thing goes, then you start hearing, I know who you are, and I know what you can do. You're my beloved son, my beloved daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. Come on. And we see people get turned upside down, inside out, completely free and dynamic in Christ. Come on. And my, my second year, going into my second year of, of revival group pastoring, um, the Lord did something crazy with me in that summer where he was bringing some real deep healing to my heart. And, uh, and so I knew by the end of the summer that I needed to approach my revival group in a whole different way than I did the, the year before that because I, I needed to help take them into that kind of a freedom. And it's kind of cool because this school year, um, I had a pretty amazing intern team with me. And just so happens that two of those interns are in this room right now. Seth is one of them, as you guys probably knew. But we actually have somebody visiting today, Emma. Everybody look at Emma and wave at her. She used to, she helped us plant this church, and she currently lives in Tennessee up, up visiting for the weekend. So crazy you're here right now, actually, because of, of the story I'm about to tell. So in BSSM, you know, it starts, it starts in the fall, in, in September, and it's probably about two weeks into the school year, all the revival groups um, go away for a retreat for a weekend. And my, my group went to Chico to a YWAM base, and there was, there was probably about five or six other revival groups that were there at the same time. And the revival groups have 60 or so people in, and that's, I had about 60 or 65 in our group. And so this year, we were going to have our, the, the whole point of that, the retreat is to get everybody real bonded and have a lot of fun and worship and just go after stuff together. And, excuse me, excuse me, dur during the time that we were getting together outside this one day, this one afternoon, I felt the Lord prompt me to start sharing some of my testimony. 
And I was, I was just super vulnerable with them. And I, I told everybody that I, I used to be addicted to pornography. <gasps> A pastor at Bethel used to be addicted to pornography? Yep, I did. Many of you have heard me talk about this, okay? But, but I talked about how I used to be addicted to it, and it, had a, it was a cycle problem in my life. I've talked to you guys about these things, and, but how the Lord set me free from it. And it was actually in 2003 when I actually got freedom from the bondage that that thing had on my life. Hallelujah. There's so, and then, and then there's, there were seasons after that that the Lord did other things just to deepen it and to reinforce it. Um, and so there's, there's several key components that happened in my life that got freedom for me. But this is what I shared with them. The, the primary thing that happened that gave me that initial just crushing the, and breaking the chains off of me doesn't mean I never lusted again, but, the, but it wasn't a bondage anymore. Okay? And the, the number one thing that gave me that freedom was that in 2003, I, for the first time in my life, I, I met privately with a, a, a leader of the church I was in and started confessing everything that I'd ever done that I was ashamed of. While he's sitting there praying for me and loving on me and saying, that's not who you are. He, and he was like, I, I understand, I've sinned too, but that's not who we are. The blood of Jesus frees you. Come on. And I, it's like the first time I, I, the thing that I was always afraid to even think of myself, let alone tell somebody else, I'm finally bearing it to someone. And instead of him judging me and then going afterwards and talking to the pastors, Jesse's had this problem. That's what we're afraid of. No, he said, that's not who you are. God cleanses you. You don't carry this any longer. Come on. But I had to get it into the light. I had to bring it into the light and confess it in the presence of someone else. I had to break the fear and the shame and, and get it out there, expose myself to let light shine in. That's the place where the blood of Jesus comes and he sets the captives free. Come on. The best place. And, and then I also shared with them, this, I mean, there's a lot of vulnerability, I guess. I, I said that to them. And then, and then I shared with them that that summer, um, I actually had been through a lot of counseling. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I used to have this taboo thought that if you have to get counseling, there must be something wrong with you. And you know, if I'm in leadership, there shouldn't be anything wrong with me. <laughs> but it, and this happened a year after I started pastoring at Bethel. I, I went to the doctor for an annual checkup, and, and she started asking me all these questions. She ended up diagnosing me with moderate depression. What? You can't be depressed and have the Holy Ghost? Apparently, I did. I didn't like, I got offended. <laughs> I got offended at the, at the diagnosis. And then the next day, Jessica left for two weeks to Florida 
and left me there by myself <laughs> to stew. I got depressed over my diagnosis. <laughs> but, the, but the Lord, I remember this. I, I was getting in the shower. Right, it was so weird. No, you don't need to know if there's a shower. Sorry. I just remember, I'll just say this. I remember the split second. The split second that I wasn't looking for it. It was in the backyard, okay? Where, I was wearing my jams. No. Anyway, I, I remember the split second that the Lord said, Jesse, that diagnosis was a good thing. It was a good thing. Because I, I thought, how can that be okay? You know, I'm supposed to be this strong, anointed, free leader. I just got told I, I carried depression. And uh, he said, it's good. it's good that you just found out what's been wrong that you didn't know that you had it got it got exposed and i and he said now that you know that there's the problem you can do something about it instead of keep that thing there you can get rid of it come on and then i i i went I was depressed about my diagnosis, and he said, this is good because now you can break this thing, and all of a sudden, I started remembering, because I didn't think I was depressed, started remembering these different seasons in my life where it kind of threaded through, where, I, where there would be seasons, I, I might have called it down in the dumps or whatever. It's threaded through different parts of my life, and, but, but not, the, the moment I realized there was something there that has never got freedom in... That was the moment I realized we can do something about this now because Jesus died on the cross and paid a high price for me to be fully free, fully restored, and made whole. And depression is not in Christ. Amen? And so I, I found a, a pastor at Bethel that, I had, that, that was kind of a spiritual father, somebody I really trusted, and I, I asked him if he'd be willing to counsel me. I didn't even know if he counseled or not. He said, funny you ask. I've actually just gotten trained to counsel, and I, I've been, I have been saying no to people, but I feel the Father saying, I'm, I'm going to do this with you. Yeah, and so I started going through this. I'm not going to tell you the story. I'm going to save that for another message if God lets me, because I want to tell you, it, it's so powerful. It set me free. It'll set people free. I hope I get to share it maybe next week even. But... Uh, but the Lord took me through this crazy, awesome inner healing journey that summer to set me free from things I carried all my life, and I didn't even know I had it. Remember how I said that people have boulders on their shoulder, don't even know they're there because you get so used to feeling it? And you, you don't realize what you had until you release it, and then you realize what normal feels like. Come on. But I'm telling my revival group this at YWAM base. And guess what? And, and I was teaching them the power in vulnerability and confession. Fear is what holds people back from the next step of breakthrough. It is. In the light is where true fellowship is. I, I was telling them this. I was demonstrating to them Look at me. I'm, I'm going to be your, 
your pastor this year, guys. Guess what? I'm your Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry Revival Group pastor. You know, the people that you were so excited to come and lead you into revival and anointing. I'm not perfect. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that, that, that like... Saying these things boldly to tell people this is my problems just so I can say that, that that's my identity. I'm going to keep doing it. No way. No, the, no the, it's all about getting free. It's all about saying I value my freedom so much that I don't care what price it's going to take. I don't, and the only price that's mine is dealing with shame because Jesus paid the rest of the price. Amen? Because getting into the light, that's where the blood of Jesus flows and brings transformation. That's the place. That's the place. I've seen people, so many people get set free from addictions and, and just lifestyle stuff. And, and it happens through the, the courage to bring it out and then to do something with it. Come on. Powerful. Doesn't mean that there's not other disciplines that has to happen, but that, that is the first major place of, of breakthrough. So so the revival group students, they were eating this thing up. Do you remember? There you remember Emma? There huh? You were there, weren't you? I was there You don't remember this? I get <laughs> I guess it was awesome for like three people then. <laughs> I just it's like the pastors count. <laughs> So, sorry that it, this wasn't transformational for you, Emma. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, everybody but Emma was eating this up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, but, but that what they saw, though, is this person who's been trusted, talking about me, trusted by the leadership at Bethel, who's raising up revivalists and reformers, that they actually entrusted somebody to be leaders over people, and they weren't perfect. Whoa. You know why? Because we know better. None of us are perfect, but we're all coming into our identities, and the more that we bring the stuff in the light and we go after our victories, the more power we walk in, the more freedom we walk in. And we want to lead by example. Come on. So it built trust. It built trust with the students. And uh, it gave them permission to not have to be perfect. Okay? It gave them permission and invitation to be real. Okay? It gave them, it created an environment to propel people into freedom. And I, I want to I give you guys a little hint here. That every time that I'm being vulnerable in, for, in front of you, I hope you know it's because I'm trying really hard to create this kind of culture with you. I don't do it just because I'm that leader that says these things. No, I'm doing it because I'm trying to impart something to you guys. I want you to know that there's trust. 
I want you to know that there's, there's permission to not be perfect, but there's the invitation into freedom. Invitation into freedom. Breakthroughs into greatness. Oh, thank you, Jesus. There's no room for shame in the kingdom of God. There's no room for shame in the family of God. There should be no shame in the household of God. All right? Shame happens when, when people are living in the darkness, and, and they, they need to know that it is shameful to live there, but guess what? Jesus paid a high price to get you out of that. Like, God's not sitting on his throne looking at those who are on the outside in the darkness and pointing his finger, judging them for why they're out there. That's not what he's doing. He's actually a good father. He's a good father, and what he's doing is he's looking at the people out there. He's actually trying to wave you in. Come in. Come, come to me. Come into the light. Let's get you free of that stuff that you've been carrying so that you can receive my love more than you've ever believed that I love you. Isaiah 61, 7. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Come on. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. Everlasting joy shall be that's what God's heart is for you, to put joy in you that never leaves. To take away shame, he wants to crush shame. Shame is a guard to the prison, all right? He wants to crush shame and set the captives free. He wants to replace shame with double honor. Guess what? The Father honors you. He's not ashamed of you. He honors you. He loves you. He wants you free. Because anything that, that we carry, whether it's current sins or just the weight of something that we have not brought into the light yet, he wants you free from that. But he knows it takes courage to release that thing, to expose that thing. And then let the blood do what it can do only when we bring it before him. Hallelujah. God never judges a repentant heart. God never judges a repentant heart. James 2, 12 through 13 says, So speak and do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. The law of liberty. Not the law of bondage. The law of liberty. Hallelujah. For judgment is without mercy to those who have shown no mercy. But mercy triumphs over judgment. 
Everybody say that. Mercy triumphs over judgment. <clears throat> Hallelujah. God loves you unconditionally. He loves you unconditionally. Sometimes I learn from the Father's heart by my heart with my kids when I'm doing it right, <laughs> not when I'm doing it wrong. Okay? And my, my kids, they, they, they sin sometimes. Say la. <laughs> they sin sometimes. And when they sin, I, I hate what they did. I hate what they did. Because I, I know that that stuff, if it continues to grow, brings corruption and it, it can create problems in the future that will just grow and, and become something ugly eventually. Okay? So I, I hate the sin, but it's not me hating them. I absolutely love them. And I love them so much, I want to help them not function from sin, but to function from a good heart. Okay? And so there, there are times when they're learning that it's a lot better for them when they are honest about the thing that they did wrong instead of try to lie about it or cover it up, okay? And I, I know as a father that when they come to me on their own initiative to tell me something that they did wrong, even though I didn't like that thing, I feel so much pleasure and pride in them for the fact that they took ownership of it on their own and brought it into the light. There have been times when I've needed to discipline them because they didn't initiate that on their own. And the discipline helps their, their hearts realign with righteousness so that we can restore health and rightness. And, and connection again, okay? Every single time that my kids ask me for forgiveness for the thing they did wrong, I, I have not withheld forgiveness one time from them because I'm a good dad. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but what dad, what, what good dad would withhold forgiveness from their kid? Right? But after I forgive them, every single time, I always make them look me in the eye, I draw them close to me, and I kiss them, and then I hug them for like five minutes and just pour love into them. Because I want them to know that my value for them has nothing to do with what they just did. Amen? And that's how your father is. Come on. What the judgment seat is to some people is the mercy seat to God's sons and daughters. Come on. Bearing the sins and the junk and the shame that keeps you on the outside, you know, it keeps us functioning like orphans, but God wants us to be sons and daughters who know that we're welcome right there with him. He just wants to free us from the stuff that weighs us down because he loves you. Come on. It's good stuff, guys. 
<laughs> after, after I started off the school year at BSSM doing what I did, that same day I had a few different people come privately to talk to me about things that they've been carrying, sin, sin bondages, and they confessed them to me, and I could pray, and God whacked them with his goodness. Come on. And, and then it, it started creating this culture immediately. You, it, it can take a long time to formulate a, a, a communal experience with a new group of people that don't know each other, and you try to start build, build that relationship, try to break the ice and get people to hang out with each other and stuff. And then it, then it can take an even longer time for people to be like, I want to actually start sharing things that's in my heart that I've never wanted to tell people and expose myself to you and trust that you're going to care for me instead of judge me. That can take a long time. But, but when, when we demonstrated vulnerability from the front and said, hey, let's just save a lot of that time and let's just jump right to it. We had, we had a family in three weeks in our revival group. I, I hope you guys are catching what I'm saying because this is actually very important stuff, okay? We had a family within about three or four weeks because people were demonstrating trust and it takes risk to trust somebody with your heart. But, the, but not taking that risk is the very thing that keeps people from ever getting the freedom that they need. And the Father wants us to trust Him first. And He wants us to become people who can be trustworthy with other people's hearts. To love like He loves. And He wants us to trust people with our hearts and bring things into the light so we can get freedom and wholeness. Come on. I want to ask this question because you guys are staring at me so quiet. I have no clue if you guys approve of this message or not. But, but I, I want to ask you, like, do you want greater measures of freedom in your life? Come on. Do you want it at the price that it comes with? Do, do you want to... Know the Father like His child in an intimate way. Are, are you willing to risk the vulnerability it takes to expose yourself to Him? Are you willing to risk the vulnerability it takes to look in the mirror and to acknowledge the things that you never felt awesome about yourself with? Are you willing to look in the mirror and look at those things and then allow the Father to say, those things are not what define you. My love defines you. And then allow Him to come and bring freedom and cleansing to you in those places. Are, are you willing to find people? I don't mean that we do this with everybody. Find people that we're going to risk vulnerability with to get myself into the light and to trust that I'm going to be loved unconditionally and knowing that that's a huge step towards my freedom. (laughs) 
we can consider these rhetorical questions if you prefer that. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I've said this a few times recently. I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom right now. I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom right now. God is trying to crush shells off of people. He's trying to, to remove and crush burdens on people's shoulders. He's trying to break chains. But people embrace these things often, whether they know it or not, because shame and fear will keep them from getting into the light and doing something with it. But Jesus came to set the captives free. It's in His light where the blood comes and cleanses you thoroughly and removes all sin. I almost feel like I need to just close it just to relieve you guys because this is kind of the pressure I'm feeling right now. I don't, I don't feel pressure on myself, but... Before I started speaking this, I told you that I felt like God said there's angels. And to, and to give them permission to do their thing. Why would he send the angels and put this word on my heart for you, except for the angels to come to minister the word to your hearts to bring freedom to you? I want to pray for you guys right now. <laughs> if you guys are able to stand, let's, let's do that. By the way, I, I got, got pretty vulnerable up here with you right now. I don't even know mo a lot of y'all in here. So <laughs> I, I hope you see that I, I really believe in this. Okay? really believe in this. Holy Spirit, I, I pray right now that you will shine the light. I pray that you'll help every single one of us to, to know if there are parts of our lives that we have kept dark. Because those are the places that we have not allowed you to bring freedom to us. But I pray right now, in Jesus' name, that you'll help every single person to hear the voice of the Father that says, I don't judge you for that. that says, I don't believe that's who you are. That says, where I'm taking you, you can't bring that with you. That says, trust me. That says, open it up. Let's be honest. It says, let's get real. 
that says, release this to me. That says, this is the safe place. That says, you don't have to self-protect any longer. That says, there's no room in my living room for that guard called shame any longer. Let me crush shame and bust through that door. Can you open the door to me? Because I'm coming in to set you free. I'm coming in to remove this thing that has, that has taken space in your life that I want to occupy. It's the voice that says, I, I know who you are. That's not you. You are way greater than that. And that it's easy for you to release this to me. It's easy for you to get free. Lord, I, I pray that you'll help every single one of us, Lord. If there's anything that you're wanting to do something with, God, that you'll, you'll reveal it. Because I, I just want to see burdens lifted off of people. I rebuke shame right now in the name of Jesus. It's a, it, it's it's definitely um, if it's not demonic, it's sent by the demonic. So we rebuke shame in the name of Jesus and fear. Lord, I I pray that you'll help us to become a people who can be trusted by others to risk vulnerability so that we can love conditionally. And I pray that you'll help us to become a people who are willing to take the risk of vulnerability. Help us to value you and our future freedom more than self-protection. In the name of Jesus. And I pray that you'll show us, Lord, your unconditional love as a father that says, I want you right here in my lap. Don't let that thing hold you back. Hallelujah. <laughs> just take a moment. Just take a moment and let him show you whatever he wants to. God bless you guys in the name of Jesus.